All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody. Welcome into the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. This is season four, episode 15, our regular season finale, if you will. My name's Andrew Drozdak, and I am one of your co-hosts. I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, the best brewer in town, the coolest guy I know, Thomas Bowen. Thomas, how we doing? Man, I'm doing uh, doing good, nice and chilly out here, and yeah. uh, uh, ready to uh, to put a bow on the regular season uh, sure. and take a much-needed break for the holidays and then come back raring to go for the playoffs. That is absolutely right. I agree with all of that for sure. Thomas, uh, we would be remiss as Gamecock fans, which, by the way, if this is your first time listening, welcome in. But we are the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. Thomas and I played the game of football, coached the game of football, look and love the game of football, obsess over it, research it. It is just one of our passions. So we like to think of ourselves as slightly above average football fans. And on top of that, we are lifelong South Carolina Gamecock fans and both alumni of the University of South Carolina. So I say all that to say, Thomas, as a Gamecock fan, we would not be doing the right thing if we did not acknowledge a very sad thing that happened today. Uh, Carlton Thompson, a.k.a. Gamecock Jesus, a.k.a. Baseline Jesus, passed away today after a fight with pancreatic cancer. Sad day for Gamecock Nation, Thomas. Yeah, especially with uh, the way, you know, we, we don't get into a lot of the hardcore, the basketball stuff here, but the way the women are playing this right. year, certainly, and, and the men are starting out on a hot streak and, and right. playing undefeated Clemson tonight. It's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it is a sad day in Gamecock Nation. I can only imagine that he and Tommy Moody are, are sharing stories in the afterlife, but I can only hope that uh, he can give us some good juju on the court tonight. Yeah, I hope the Cox can go get that victory up uh, in Clemson at Little John tonight in honor of Gamecock Jesus. You know, I remember before we even went to, uh, you know, the new arena, the Colonial Life Arena, when we were at Frank McGuire, you could hear him when he was at Frank, uh, or excuse me, yeah, Frank McGuire Arena he was when he was there. Red today, he started going to games in 1968 as a sophomore in high school um, and just been a diehard fan ever since. So, a tough loss for Gamecock Nation, like you said. Hopefully it brings us some luck tonight against the Gamecocks as he's up there with Tommy Moody, uh, you know, convincing the good Lord we need a victory. All right, Thomas, let's get back to football. The college football playoffs are essentially upon us, and we are going to call this segment of the show Who Got In and Who Got Screwed. <laughs> Thomas, Michigan is number one. Washington is number two. Texas is number three, and the Alabama Crimson Tide round out your college football playoff final four. Which can we talk about? Can we talk about for a minute? It just because you you said it right there, Alabama at number four, who of course took down the mighty uh, Georgia Bulldogs in Atlanta. Can we talk about the turnaround that Saban has done for this Alabama team? I mean, I think we all thought they were dead in the water this year. I, I do, yeah, absolutely a great point by you. I mean, you and I have the conversation of is this team going to be bad enough that they're going to drive Nick into retirement? 
Like, is he going to say, <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore? And then he went and said, nah, I'm not done quite yet. You said it in a text, I think, or, or at some point uh, recently that, you know, is this Nick Saban's best coaching job at Alabama? You could make the argument it is. I mean, they they seemed dead in the water and, you know, like you said, beat 20, get 29 straight victories, defending national champions, all of those things uh in Atlanta and got it done when it counted most and it's it's an impressive feat so Thomas with all of that being said that means the undefeated ACC conference champion Florida State Seminoles have been left out of the playoffs Thomas I gotta ask you did the Seminoles get screwed here uh Here's the thing is, uh, do I think they kind of got screwed? Yeah, because when you are a power five conference champion and you are undefeated, I don't see how you can keep them out. I will say this. I think that the committee, right or wrong, has a little cold feet after letting TCU in and they got destroyed. Because let's be honest, Florida State is not the same football team without Jordan Travis who was, for anybody who doesn't know, their their fantastic quarterback broke his leg. And was that against Florida in the rivalry weekend? No, it was the week before that, I believe. It was the week before that. Yeah. week before that. But yeah. uh, so uh, on, on that point, you're like, yeah, I think they kind of got screwed. But another question here that, that, that I keep thinking about is, and I think the committee so much has said that Florida State is a different team without Jordan they Travis. Did. But they did. which is I think it's kind of crazy they said that. Cause think about this. Who's to say that Florida State could not have adjusted without Travis and still made some noise? Cause don't forget in 2014, Ohio State lost their right. star quarterback, JT Baird to injury. They focused more heavily on the run game. Ezekiel Elliott dropped almost 500 yards and six touchdowns in playoff wins over Alabama and Oregon to win it all. Who's to say Florida State couldn't have done that? Well, and to be a game, or excuse me, to be an Eagles fan here for a second, in 2017, when Carson Wentz went down in week 15, Eagles fans everywhere, including me, thought our 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 very good season was over. Nick Foles had been our quarterback before. We put him in the game. He wins us the Super Bowl and makes one of the most memorable Super Bowl plays of all time with Philly Philly. So, I mean, it's you're right. And, you know, again, I bring that up because I was listening to the New Heights podcast with Jason and Travis Kelsey today, and Jason brought that up. He said his problem, and I agree, his problem with how the committee did it, they didn't just say, listen, the SEC is the best conference in college football. We can't leave out the SEC champion. They made it out to be, hey, Florida State's not the same football team without Jordan Travis. And that is not the reason to leave them out. If you're saying that a one-loss SEC champion is better than an undefeated ACC champion, I can get that argument. But you just made a great point with Ohio State back in 2014. You don't know what this backup quarterback can do. You don't know what the rest of the team could do. You also that that defense for Florida State's nasty. Legit. They Legit. are nasty. So who's to say they don't pull a 2,000 Ravens where they're just dominating games? I mean. If you leave them out because you're saying we can't leave out the one-loss SEC champions because the SEC is the best conference in the nation, I don't have a problem with that. If you're leaving them out because Jordan Travis is hurt, I feel like you got screwed there. 
And, and that's just wrong, in my opinion. Yeah, and and the other thing to think about here is if if Florida State is so unimpressive without its starting quarterback, how are they ranked fifth ahead right. of Georgia, Ohio State, and Oregon? Are right. those teams not at least as impressive as Alabama? Well, and like if, if you're not going to put them in, they should have put Florida State at like nine or ten. Correct. Drop them. Drop them like a stone. Well, and I think we bring up you brought up another team that you could make an argument, less of an argument, but they got screwed. Georgia. Georgia went from number one to number six for one loss. Like yeah. that's pretty tough drop. Like I get it, but see, this brings my point. And I, I said this on Facebook. This is why I feel like this this all along should have been a six team playoff where you the power five conference champions get in. It's an auto bid just like the NCAA basketball March Madness tournament. And then you have one at large. So in this year's scenario, Florida State and Georgia are in. And if you assume that Michigan and Washington get buys, that would mean that Georgia gets to play Texas in the first round. Texas' big game, uh, big claim to fame is they beat Alabama. The knock against Georgia is they lost to Alabama. That's a heck of a ball game right there. And then you've got it where Florida State is playing Alabama to say, hey, we're better than you guys. So I, I just feel like they missed it there. But, Thomas, at the end of the day, you got to say the CFP committee, they had some ice water in their veins to have enough guts to make that call. If you need some ice, if you're a Florida State fan, you got a little burn going on, where could you get some cheap ice? Yeah, yeah, you're right, man. And, and I bet that committee, I bet they could have used some good ice in those meetings, slugging back sodas and Red Bulls. And I bet our listeners can too. Holiday parties are happening. Punch bowls need ice. If you're like me, you're going to need plenty of ice to keep your pig cold before you throw it on the pit for a nice long smoke over some oak wood. So let us hook you up. We like to beat dead horses here, so let's beat this one some more. Stop buying your ice from the gas station. They charge almost $3 for a seven-pound bag. The bags used to be 10 pounds, then eight. Now they're seven. Don't pay that when you can go get a 16-pound bag or 20 pounds directly in your cooler for only $2.50. These machines are conveniently located around the Columbia area, including Chapin, Irmo, St. Andrews, West Columbia, downtown, even Eastover. And as a special Merry Christmas to our listeners, we're going to hook you up with a free bag. When you're standing at the machine, just text the word AVERAGE to the large yellow phone number the bag slide out. Super easy and convenient. Try it out for your next party or pig picking. Participating locations can be found at tticlub.com slash Lake Murray Ice. All right, Andrew, ice cold. You're talking about your reasoning for a 16 playoff. Now, everybody... As a reminder, the, this is going to 12-team next year. Right. Let's let's talk about your argument for 16, and then I got a counter to it. So I think what is great about college football as compared to other sports, every single game matters. And if you lose a game, even one, in many cases, you're on the ropes. If you lose two, you're out. and by staying at six, unless you win your conference, which brings a whole nother side of this in, then you're you're in a tough spot. So what I like about it is Louisville had two losses going into the to the game against Florida State. What if they won that game 
and they get the ACC auto bid. That that makes that game a whole lot more interesting. What if Oklahoma State had beat Texas? That makes that game a whole lot more interesting. Those teams are now more motivated. Their fan bases are a heck of a lot more interested. Don't talk to me about conference pride. Who cares? Get me in the playoffs. So if winning that can get me in the playoffs, even after I've lost two games, heck, three games. Thomas, when South Carolina went to the SEC championship back in the day under Spurrier, we had lost two games. Maybe even, was that the year we had lost three, actually? I can't remember. But it was, you know, imagine what that could have done. So that just makes those conference championship games matter. Whereas leaving Florida State out, that Florida State is undefeated and the ACC champs and they're sitting at home. That, why do we have conference championships? Why, why do those matter? Like, what, what's the point of that other than just to be a money grab? And for Dr. Pepper to have all their terrible uh, halftime football oh, God. costs. Yeah. And if they don't outlaw this like chest pass thing, I can't handle it. <laughs> it. It just feels like it could be even more intense because you have conference championship weekend and you're going, hey, if LSU, oh, excuse me, if Louisiana, I can't think, if Louisville can find a way with a wounded Florida State team to get this win, they're in. You get to tell your fan base, guys, go support us. Yeah, we've lost three games, two games, but if we win this, we're in. Now I feel like going to 12 waters everything down. And it it just, I don't like it as much. Um, it doesn't have the high stakes feel, but you, you convinced me why we should have 12. So, and... Look, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time convincing you why we should have 12, but moreover, I'm going to tell you why a six-team playoff would be worse than our current four-team uh-huh. playoff. Here, here's the way I look at it. In a six-team playoff model, you're giving the number one and number two teams a massive advantage of automatically getting into the semis because they're getting buys, right? Yeah. So instead of a controversy around who gets the number four spot, you'd have an even bigger controversy about who gets the number two spot. So, sure, there there may be controversy around who gets into a four-team bracket, but at least the bracket itself is fair. I'm using air quotes here. Right. You always have controversy around who gets into the playoff, regardless of how big the playoffs get. So a six-team model does not fix that problem. Moreover, it breaks the, again, air quotes, integrity of the bracket as two teams get a massive advantage for what will always boil down to most likely an arbitrary distinction. So I think you've got to go to at least eight if you're expanding. But personally, I'm in favor of 12, because if you're going to go to eight, hell, go to 12. I just want to make the conference championships matter. And I feel like if you're doing a situation where a conference champion can be left out, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, here's here's one of the issues with that, in my opinion, is is like the the current landscape of the conferences as we know them today are going to look totally different hell next year and then in two years and who knows what's going to happen so it's like right i get what you're saying because i do agree that conference championships uh uh, should certainly matter for power five or autonomous five whatever the hell they call it um but yeah i'm 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 just kind of one of those, the more the merrier, man. Now, right. look, you can't get bigger than 12 at, at this point. Like, yeah. I don't want this to look like March Madness or anything. No, I need it. I need these games to matter. You know, Kentucky 
basketball lost the other week to UNC Wilmington. Like that doesn't matter. I, one of the UNC regional campuses. And that's not major news because they can still go to the, you know, one loss doesn't change anything. So like, I like that college football, every Saturday matters. Every Saturday matters. You got to bring, you know, when you play UT Martin or, or those teams, you're expecting to win, but if you lose, you're, you're in trouble. And so, you know, that's just what I like. And we'll move past that. I just, I don't, there's a lot going on in college football that's changing that I don't love. And we'll talk about that here in a second, but Thomas to maybe put a little bit of a bow here on the college football playoff. We're going to obviously talk much more in depth about it in weeks to come. We got the four teams. We know who it is now. I want to ask you this question in two ways. First, who do you want to see win the national championship? And second, who do you think will do it? And that could be the same answer, but it could be different. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Um, I think, I think Alabama's going to win it because, again, we talked about the turnaround job they've done, and and it's. I still say that when you give Nick Saban a month, uh, essentially to prepare, uh, and granted that's just for the semis, but man, it's just hard to count them out, and I just feel like they're really dialed in right now. So I think Alabama is going to win it. Who do I want to win it? I would love to see Washington win it because they are a lot of fun and they're kind of that plucky, like Pac-12, Pac-2 dissolving conference team. Uh, I like them. I like them. Yeah, and I mean, we didn't we didn't talk about this ahead of time or anything, but this is just you know one of those other reasons why we're we're good buddies and we do this together. I feel the exact same way. I think it's Bama. You could maybe talk me into Michigan, but I think it's Bama that's going to do it. Who do I want? I'm just like you. I want Washington. I always, you know, I don't know if it's the Gamecock fan in me because we're usually the underdog. I, yeah. you know, I, I think Michigan, or excuse me, Washington is being looked at as the weakest when they're they're undefeated. They have a they have a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback, and it's almost like people are like, yeah, they're not they're going to get blown out type situation. And I'd love to see them prove everybody wrong because um, that's just you know a fun thing. Now, my good buddy David Cox, who I know listens to the show. He's a he's a Washington State alum, so I know he's not going to like that suggestion. So, David, I, I apologize to you for that. All right, Thomas, that takes us to the next topic of conversation, which is the Heisman Trophy. Uh, that co- that will be decided this Saturday, and your finalists are: is it Mike? Do I say his last name? Penix? Is that correct? Penix. Yeah, yeah, you're on Michael, it. Michael Michael Penix Jr., quarterback, Washington Huskies. We just talked about that. A transfer. Uh, from Indiana, we're going to mention that a couple times here. Jaden, thanks for the correction in the notes, by the way. <laughs> Daniels, uh, quarterback LSU, transfer from Arizona State. Bo Nix, quarterback at Oregon, transfer from Auburn. So that's three out of four finalists are all transferred from one school to the to the one they are currently at. And then finally, Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver, the Ohio State University. He is uh he has been there his whole career. That's who recruited him and who he committed to. Thomas, before we get into who you think is going to win this year's trophy, who is your favorite Heisman trophy winner? Not named George Rogers, because as Gamecocks, that's going to be the guy <laughs> we're going to choose. Who's your favorite winner and why? You know, when you put this in the show notes and 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 I was prepping, I honestly had to uh 
uh, th there wasn't one that immediately came to mind. I had to wiki the list of the sure. past winners. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to choose Steve Spurrier because that guy used to be an asshole to me anyway. <laughs> but honestly, I think particularly like if we're going modern era here, it might be Joe Burrow. Like I always kind of had a quarterback crush on Joe Burrow at LSU and now in the league, like I like him even more. Like he yeah. might be my favorite. No, that's a good, that's a, that's a heck of a good answer. You're going to, you're going to laugh when I tell you mine, because you always give Tim me a hard Tebow. Nope. Definitely not Tim Tebow. No, nothing against Tebow. Good. good oh, I have plenty. Of, I have plenty against him. Too, sure. 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 He loves his mama and all that good stuff. Uh, Eric Crouch, my favorite Heisman trophy. Wait, winner. didn't they run the option? They did run the option. And that's why I liked him. <laughs> Knew it. <laughs> and he also had a, you know, one of those true Heisman moments. I think it was against Oklahoma. They ran a double reverse pass where he ended up catching the ball. Like and it was a stumble to just you know to win was the it game. Was a good pass? It was a horrible pass. Like he had to. He didn't throw it. He caught it. It was a throwback right. quarterback, like from the and, wide receiver or running correct, back. Or something. Yeah, and he he had to like he reached out for it, kept caught it, kept his balance, and scored a touchdown. And that was kind of his Heisman play. And you know, yep, yeah, nope, it's the option. I, there's always going to be a special place in my heart for the option. Love that game uh, of football, and uh, he he was my guy, man, number seven. But, you know, I do enjoy him a lot. You know, his NFL career did not pan out to a lot. He insisted on trying to play quarterback, which was not going to be his forte. But, um, you know, hope he's doing well in life. Uh, but, yeah, he was my favorite, one of my favorite players growing up. Used to love uh, Thomas. You'll get a kick out of this. Used to play uh, our good buddy Patrick Nye in NCAA college football PlayStation with Eric Crouch, and he could be literally. We used to do a re one of the replays. He'd be on his back facing the other direction, and you hit the pitch button, and it just ended up in the running back's hand perfectly. And it oh, used I love it. It used to drive Patrick insane. All right, love so to this year's Heisman Trophy candidate, or uh, excuse me, race, who wins this year, Thomas and. Which of the finalists do you think has the best NFL career? Ooh, ooh, good follow-up question. Uh, I think the one to your first question, who wins, I think it's going to be Jaden Daniels. And honestly, like rightfully so, you look at Vegas odds, he's the huge favorite right now. Uh, they're all tremendous, uh, three tremendous quarterbacks, tremendous wide receiver. But uh, I look at the Heisman as uh, the player that's most deserving is that is the one that has – the biggest effect on the entire team. Like without Jaden Daniels, LSU might have won like three games this year. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Absolutely fair. I agree with that 100%. I think he's also my favorite to win there. So, Thomas, to throw it back to you again here, of the four, who has the best NFL career? How about this? Can we remove Marvin Harrison Jr.? Because he he's the outlier as the wide receiver. Can we talk about the quarterbacks? Yeah. Okay. Of the three quarterbacks, who's going to be? Because now I, I do think Harrison Jr. is going to have a phenomenal NFL. Oh, he's going to be a very good. He was going to be my pick, but I see why you're removing him just because quarterbacks are such a crapshoot when they get to the NFL. So yeah. I, I do think if he keeps his head on straight and, and stays away from injuries, that Marvin Harrison Jr. will have a great career, just like his father did. But yeah, that's an even better question. Of the three Heisman candidates uh, that are quarterbacks, who has the, the best NFL career? So I got to say, I am a big Bo Nix fan. I like Bo Nix. I like watching him play. 
I don't think it's him. I don't think he's going to have a, a tremendous NFL career. I'd love for him to, but I don't think he will. I also love Michael Penix Jr. I rode him in our fantasy league, our college fantasy league, because we're degenerates and we play college that's, fantasy that's football. Correct. Um, I love Penix. I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. I don't think he's going to have a great career. I also think he's too small. I think Jaden Daniels out of this group is probably going to have, is poised to have the best NFL career. What say you? I agree with that. I think he's got more of the size. The new NFL scheme is is more, and I guess that's football across the board really, is is more geared to your athletic quarterback that can move the pocket and things like that. The days of Peyton and Eli Manning and Dan Marino and the like, they're they're slowly starting to go away. Even Joe Burrow, who you love and I love, he's got more athleticism to to move. He's not gonna run for a thousand yards in the NFL like um Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts, but he can get he can move around. He's not a statue. I think if you look at those three guys, I think Jaden has the, the best of that career. Uh for the reasons you mentioned. I I, I had Bo Nix in our college fantasy degenerate league and I wrote <laughs> him for a lot of wins too. He's just not that big. And that makes me very Yeah, I don't think he's built for the game for NFL. Yeah. It's a I heard it one time said that if college football is is like playing, you know, you've heard a lot of times the phrase or or analogy used that, you know, playing football is like being in a car accident over and over and over again. And I, I heard that, you know, that if you use that analogy, we look at the NFL, that's like being in a train accident every week. And I just you got to have some size because these guys are big and fast and strong and they can hit you. And I mean, that's what made Cam Newton you know, so special in the NFL because he of his size. Now you have Michael Vick that was just so fast. Nobody could hit him. Barry Sanders, same way. But, you know, I don't know that Knicks or Penix have that type of elusiveness. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I don't think they are athletic enough to miss the big hit. So I think that would, would hold them back. All right, Thomas, uh, we're going to now move <laughs> into another hot button topic. The NIL and transfer portal world that we now live in. We'll take a look at it first from the perspective of the Gamecocks. Um, when we first were making these show notes, the biggest name that had entered the transfer portal at that point for South Carolina was Juice Wells. Juice Wells is a wide receiver who came to South Carolina two years ago from Arkansas State and had a great season last season. And was uh, had a, a big part in us beating Tennessee and Clemson. You know, really came on, had an injury to his foot, in, I believe summer camp, and it just it didn't go well. And then in the Georgia game, scores a touchdown and injured his foot again in, during that, and really didn't see a whole lot of action. Thomas and posted to fans on social media, "No, I'm not going to play in the Clemson game when it was Clemson week, but I am going to be back." And now he's not. This is a guy who, you know, got an opportunity to move to Power 5 football and, from my understanding, was was making a good amount of money off NIL and still decided to do this. Thomas, how does this make you feel as a fan of college football and a Gamecock in general? Yeah, so the thing about juice that that rubs me the wrong way is because look, I'm I'm all for transferring. You want to transfer, go for it. But 
it, it is a known fact. We don't know numbers, but we know that Juice Wells was one of the highest paid, uh, definitely wide receivers, if not players in the SEC, collected his money, sat on the bench. We also know with relative certainty that he was cleared medically to play as of, I think, the Jacksonville State game, but held himself out, obviously, for reasons like he wanted to transfer. That's the part that rubs me the wrong way is because I feel like he just kind of stole money from the collectives or whoever he got NIL money for. But that's kind of the world that we live in today. Uh, yeah, it's and that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier is it's the new reality. It's, this is essentially everybody's a free agent every year. There, you know, there is no contract. And we have said a multitude of times on this show that we are in favor of these players getting paid and I, I, they deserve to be paid for what they are doing. This is a violent game that can, it, your career could end before the NFL. And just ask Marcus Lattimore about that. And I think it's only fair that a billion dollar industry that's built on these kids' backs, they get a piece of the pie. However, this is out of control. Uh, I agree with you completely. Juice Wells, by all report, was healthy enough to play late in the season and, and said he didn't want to. And my question there is, you know, South Carolina removed a player from their program before after the Missouri game because he was trying to preserve his red shirt because he wanted to be able to transfer. Did, why did we not have that same stance on juice? And, and and that's something that irks me. And maybe juice just mis misled or, or I, I don't want to make him out to be someone who's a liar. Maybe he thought, Hey, he told coaches, I, I, I could go, but I'm not a hundred percent. I'm coming back. I want to be a hundred percent next year. I just don't want this nagging injury to linger so I can come back and help the team next year. Maybe that's how we phrased it. I don't know. But, Thomas, it's not just Juice Wells, because now, as we're recording, Mario Anderson has entered his name into the transfer portal. <clears throat> this is a player who came from Division II, Newberry College. That's the part that kind of pisses me off. Like, you're a D2 player. Like, hey, we're giving you a shot. Division right. one football. Didn't he say that South Carolina was his dream school, or did I make that up? He did. He, I, I believe he did, that he, he said he's always he had always dreamed of being a Gamecock, was how I think he phrased it. And, you know, obviously that dream came to fruition, and then it just wasn't that special, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, you know, Thomas, it's hard to blame these guys, you know, they, it's a free market. You can get as much money as, as possible. Um, and we're going to talk about now, here are some players, Thomas, that since the portal opened on Monday have left their respective schools. Dylan Gabriel, quarterback, Oklahoma. He is going. Dylan Gabriel, come to Dylan, Columbia, let us yes. have a beer. Let's do it, brother. Uh, he is leaving Oklahoma. Kyle McCord, Ohio State starting quarterback, is leaving. DJU is transferring for a second time from Oregon State. I'm going to give that a caveat. I've got a feeling 
he's going to Michigan State to follow his head football coach. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you got to give him – because at first I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's entering the portal again. Okay, wait, he did lose his head coach. Yeah, I get it. I, get I give – and the guy was the the play caller and the quarterback coach. Like, it's it's Steve Spurrier-esque type situation. So, I, I, uh, I, I give him a bit of a pass there. And, again, that's what the transfer portal was designed to do. If your head coach ups and leaves, you can leave and not have to sit out a year. I got no problem with that. Um, Cam Ward from Washington State, he's going to transfer. Dante Moore, UCLA, he's going to transfer. Will Howard, quarterback, Kansas State, he's going to transfer. Thomas, these are all programs, minus maybe Washington State, that had a really good football season. I mean, these are good programs, and these guys, I guess, are just like, hey, I'm going to go make some more money somewhere else. Now, I do know, because I did some research, because at first I only saw the Kyle McCord situation. Apparently, Ryan Day in an interview was slightly noncommittal on if McCord would be their starting quarterback next year. So, I mean, you know, I, you know, maybe he gets, his, you know, gets into his feelings a little bit and, and says, you know, oh, you're not sure I'm your quarterback? Cool, I'm going to go somewhere else. But some of these other guys, minus DJU, Cam Ward, Cameron Ward at Washington State, he's the guy. Will Howard's the guy at Kansas State. So it just doesn't make sense to me. Thomas, all of the scholarship quarterbacks at Wash, or excuse me, at Michigan State, granted new coaching staff, all of their scholarship quarterbacks have entered the transfer portal. Every single yeah. one of them. Take they take the under, take the under on their win totals next year. Yeah, it's not going to be great. And every game they play, take the under too, because mm -hmm. they're not going to score very many points. Hell, Thomas, South Carolina's place kicker, Mitch Jeter, entered the transfer portal. This is just out of control. Again, I think these kids deserve to make money. I don't. I never liked that head coaches could just leave willy nilly, and a kid had to stay at the program. You know, I, there there needed to be some changes there. Thomas, in your opinion, what if anything can be done about this? You know, that's I think that's the the million dollar question here. I, I saw this proposed the other day, and I was like, huh, you know, that's not a bad idea. Some people were talking. Uh, in the comments thread on Reddit about Juice Wells, him entering the portal, and you know what a high value target, for lack of a better term, that that he is, or or for lack of a worse term, actually. But they propose it like this: operate it like European soccer. I know you're a bigger soccer fan than I am, so I had to get educated on this. But the way this could work is. Players can request to transfer and enter the portal. If a team right. wants the rights to negotiate NIL deals with said mm -hmm. player, they first got to negotiate a sum to the school the player's leaving. That money can go into the school's NIL coffers. This way, teams like, well, hell, South Carolina yeah. can get an influx of NIL money when they right. lose players. And bigger blue blood schools have to have substantial investment in a player to get them. I mean, I think it's too logical and too right. too well thought out for some dumbasses like the NCAA to to adopt it, but I don't really see the flaws in that model. Yeah, so in in European soccer in the Premier League and the rest of the major leagues, um 
by the way, go hot spurs. Um, they, they have a transfer fee. So if you want a top level player, for example, Tottenham, my favorite soccer team, uh, Harry Kane, our main striker for the past several years has now signed with Byron Munich. Well, Tottenham said, here's what you got to pay us to even consider signing him. Then you got to sign him for your money. So you're exactly right. It's a transfer fee it is what they call it in Premier League soccer and in Liga and, and, and all the others that go around. You have to pay just for a team to allow you to try and take their player. I think it's a great idea. I love that concept. I had not seen that or heard that. I love that. I love the idea of regulation in college football as well, but that's a whole nother a relegation, I should say. That's a whole nother argument where, you know, bottom bottom tier teams get moved down a level, top tier teams get moved up. But I don't know that America's ever going to come down to that idea. But anyway, it's just and here's the thing. Everything's a one year deal. Yeah. And so so here's the thing, Thomas, and somebody that you know several people who are big college football fans that you and I both know good friends of ours have said like if this continues in the way that it's going this is going to impact my level of interest in college football and for the University of South Carolina Thomas do you have that feeling at all like you know Juice Wells Mario Anderson they're gone you know who who knows what could happen next if if this constant state of flux happens every year is this going to change your your interest in the game of college football <laughs> no no it's not <laughs> and, and and honestly like i kind of i kind of laugh at uh at at the people that do they're just like uh you know just not going to care about it anymore well honestly like that's fine like it doesn't affect my uh my love of the game or, or my you know watchability of the game because I, I mean nothing honestly nothing short of them going to a seven on seven model or like flag football like nothing is gonna make me quit watching and and investing in the college football like I mean the people that that do like that's fine they just don't enjoy college football as much as people like you and I do. Correct. No, you got a value, a valuable answer there. I will say, I'm with you. It's not gonna. I'm I'm gonna watch every Saturday as as long as this game exists in the way that it does. It is tough though to to have a level of commitment to a player because even even in the NFL, like I'm an Eagles fan. I've mentioned that a million times. Jalen Hurts this past offseason for the Eagles, their quarterback signed a five year contract. He's going to be in Philly minus him getting cut until 2028. So he is an eagle for a very long time. Getting these guys, you know, so Thomas, let me give you a hypothetical. Lenora Sellers is coming back. Everything points to him coming back. We have heard nothing that says we're not doing that. But let's say he has a great season next year as his first year as a starter, assuming he is that guy. and he decides to leave all we ever hear about is is the greed of call of nfl football players you know does that start to change things for you yeah i mean uh, i i get that point and i guess it's just you know college football is what it is they're only there for a finite number of years and uh, right. let's be honest they are there to get 
an education as laughable as that is because this is a yeah, business sure. and the schools yeah. are in business. But yeah, I mean, I, I see your point and, and it is easier to get invested. It's just harder for somebody like me who, you know, we don't grow up. If we lived in a city that had uh, an NFL team, I feel like I would definitely be invested in it, but it's just hard for me to get that invested with an NFL team. I got you. I got you. All right. So Thomas, we usually at this point in the show, take a look at uh, you know, big games in college football. And Thomas, the biggest game of the year is this Saturday. Oh God. It is the best type of football. Triple option veer football, Academy football. It's Navy Army Week, baby. Thomas, Navy's coming in at five and six. Thomas, wow. guess guess how many passing yards their starting quarterback has. I feel like this is a trick question, but but I'm gonna stick with my guns and I'm gonna say uh you're talking about on the season. On the season. Yeah, on the season, yeah, on the season. Uh three hundred and two. Oh, man, it's more than that. It's in the 500s. It's in the 500s. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. They're slinging it around a little bit. <laughs> throwing it out of the yard over there in Annapolis. Uh, Army is also coming in at five and six. Riveting so matchup. This is going to be some damn good football. We joke about this. By the way, Thomas and I love the, the, the military and our armed forces. Thank you for all these guys and what they're doing. But I do enjoy watching this game. There are It is... It is something that you're at certain points during the game. You're like, wow, this is, uh, this is, this is not great football, but the, the passion of it, the end of the, the meaning of it is important. Uh, my grandfather fought in world war two and what was then the army air force. So I always pull for army. Uh, but one of my good teammate, one of my good friends and former teammates, Jared Clifford played at Navy. So I, I have a little bit of, of dog in both sides of that. Thomas, I mean, we don't need to predict this game. I just like pointing it out. Thomas, the biggest game of college football, not college football, football in general this weekend is probably in the NFL, and it's the Philadelphia Eagles, my team, traveling to play the Dallas Cowboys in Jerry World on Sunday night football. The Eagles are coming coming off a tough loss. 41-19 to the 49ers. Debo Samuel, former Gamecock. Former Chapman Panther had a game against my boys. And the Cowboys are coming in with a come-behind win from the Seahawks. Thomas, the the Eagles beat the Cowboys earlier this year in Philly and uh, held on to win. It was a little bit challenging at 28-23. Thomas, the, the Cowboys and Dak Prescott are red hot right now. And most recently, I saw it at five-point favorite. It's dropped down to three-and-a-half. What do my Eagles need to do to get a much-needed victory here? You know, I, I didn't know until uh, earlier when I was uh, prepping here, but this is also number one versus number two in the East here of the That's NFC, right. um, partially because, uh, or probably mostly because, my fantasy team is garbage this year, so I don't give a crap about the NFL until the playoffs <laughs> at this point. Uh, but, well, you know, uh, for starters – don't give up eight yards per play. I was looking at the box score from last week. But man, that San Francisco put an ass whipping on your Eagles. Um, and Eagles only rushed for 46 yards last week. That's not good. But I'll tell you what jumped out to me the most. Unless, you know, San Francisco, as dynamic as their offense is with Depot and with McCaffrey, their defense is, has been a force for years. San Francisco had 11 
pass deflections and nine quarterback hits. That's a that's a an eye popping stat line, and I think that is you've got to you've got to protect Hurts here. Well, the 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 somewhat misleading thing about that, and and I love Jalen Hurts as a player and as a person, and I I love that he's our quarterback. He he does have a tendency to hold the ball for a very long time to try and make a play, so he puts his offensive line in some tough spots at times, and he did that a lot against the 49ers. Uh, Thomas, I don't know if you watched the game, but we had a little sideline altercation between uh, a, a 49ers player, a linebacker, who unnecessarily body-slammed uh, wide receiver um, Devontae Smith out of bounds. But see, the Eagles have this guy named Big Dom, Thomas. He's a big old Italian guy. And Nick Soriano, our our, our coach, is a, a big Ital- is a, Italian from New Jersey. I'm pretty sure they're both in the mob. And his job is listed as security on our team. And he got in this linebacker's face. They start going back and forth. Both guys got kicked out of the game. It was the most Philly thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm pretty sure that the, the 49ers linebacker's house is going to explode at some point. Um, and it's just... <laughs> You know, he may drive off a bridge when his brakes are cut or something, but it was a, it's going to be a good football game this week. Um, obviously, I'm pulling for the Eagles. I agree with you. Defense has got to play better. Eagles came off a, a tough situation there. 92 uh, snaps on defense for the Eagles in the week before, getting an overtime win against the Bills. Not to make excuses, but that does, that does wear on you. Again, Debo Samuel came out like a cannonball. Man, that guy looked good. Ridiculous. I mean, he is healthy, Thomas. When he is fully healthy, and he was this way at South Carolina, he is just something special. Like, it's amazing. Do you remember the play against NC State his his, uh, junior year that Jake Bentley was quarterback, Jake's on the run, scrambling his heart out, throws a ball, throws a pretty good ball, but Debo caught it, and it was insane. It was like a bullet coming out of nowhere. It was, he's, go look it up if you're a fan. Go to YouTube, look up Debo Samuel catch against NC State. It was an elite catch. He He's something special. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, like you said, when he's healthy and when he is utilized correctly, which I think San Francisco is finally utilizing him correctly, you know, there was some, 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 some issues there when he was just the workhorse at running back, and that's how right. you, you can't use him. You can run him, but, man, I, I truly think when he's healthy and he's utilized correctly, he is one of the most dynamic players in the league today. He's one of those guys that's that X-factor uh, guy, so very good stuff. All right, Thomas. So, guys, we are reaching uh, bowl season. So we're going to take a little break. As Thomas mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to hit the pause button. Uh, enjoy our holidays. We'll be back very soon, and we'll, we'll advertise that uh, to get ready for bowl season, talk college football playoffs. Thomas, before we head out the door, if you had to sum up the college football regular season in one word, what would it be? Uh, I think it would be wild. Uh, yeah. It would be wild because when you talk about uh, everything from from Michigan's scandal with sign stealing to the coaching carousel, uh, including uh, Jimbo's gone, Mike Elko in the middle of the night, and now Bobby Petrino is back at Arkansas, now to NIL, and the craziness that that is, I think wild is the best way to sum up this season. 
to bring to to before I say my word. So your your best friend uh, and and your favorite head coach, Eli Drinkowitz, was on ESPN's you know bowl prep situation. They're going to be playing Ohio State, I think, right? Yeah, and, yeah, they're favored too. He he made a joke about he's on the call. He's on the interview with Chris Fowler. Grabs his cell phone, and I don't remember the guy from Michigan's name that was the sign stealer. He was like uh, Connor Stallions. Connor, Connor Stallion. Stallion. During the interview, he at the end he goes, "Hold on, Chris, I got to go. Connor Stallions calling me. Oh, I I got to talk to him real quick." Oh, and, oh man! I, as much as I don't like that guy, yeah. I was like, "That is hilarious." That it is. is that guy, I hate him. I hate that him, was that's so good. That's good. My my word would be interesting. Um, it, it was an interesting season from, you know, just the way it planned out. You know, it's so – I was football is so unpredictable. Um, we're in a changing landscape. You know, what does it mean now with NIL and transfer? What are we looking at? Like, it, it's just uh, – you know, I guess the other word, if I had to use another one, was potential but weird. You know, like we're – where are we going? Is, is it going to be that the Blue Bloods just dominate, or is it going to be because of NIL money and endless transfers that anybody can win it? Because anybody can just go get money and get players. And, and it's just going to be real interesting to watch for the next several years. It is great. It's, it's, it can be frustrating. Um, fans have to remember these players, just like anyone else, Thomas, you or I, I love the University of South Carolina. I, I, I have always loved it. My my first picture on this earth, I'm in garnet, garnet and black. However, if you're trying to change your family's trajectory and somebody offers you an insane amount of money, it's going to be hard to turn that down, particularly yeah. for some players who are coming from some disadvantaged backgrounds. This is not... <laughs> I've seen stuff about how loyalty doesn't matter anymore. Okay, I want you to think about your job right now, Thomas, and you what you do. If someone called you tomorrow and said, hey, Thomas, we're going to have you do the exact same job, but we're going to... Excuse me, we're going to double your pay. We're going to double your salary. You're leaving. You're leaving. Yeah, immediately. Like you have loyalty to your to where you work. They gave you a job. You have people you like there. Somebody calls you and says, "Hey, we're going to double your salary." You're out the door. You're out the door, and, and that's what people have to understand. So anyway, I, I digress. Yeah. We're going to take a little break. Hit the recharge button. Thomas, as we head out the door, tell the people whatever you want to tell them. I want to tell everybody, I hope everybody has a, a, a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, everybody be safe. And for all you backyard barbecue warriors out there, don't flip that pig until you can spin that shoulder bone around and make sure you take those pork butts to 200 internal to make them nice and tender. See ya. See ya. Merry Christmas, everyone.